In the summer of 2017, my family and I hosted an amazing guy named Jonathan. Jonathan was an intern with the Urban Songwriting Internship through Erebon. And while he was with us, he got to hang out with our kids. And I remember there was this point, uh, either towards the end of the summer or into the fall, where he got really excited. And he looked at us, he said, Bella's talking. When did she learn to talk? And my wife and I looked at him and said, well, she's actually been talking for a little bit. And Jonathan was amazed because the entire summer that he was with us, he had never heard her speak. And what I realized in that moment was he hadn't heard her speak because he didn't believe that she was actually speaking. My wife and I, however, uh, had spent so much time listening to Bella and, and seeing how she was speaking in her own way and communicating in her own way that we began to understand her language, began to understand the words that others couldn't distinguish. Uh, Jonathan stayed with us um, for another year, and the more time that he spent with Bella, the more that he could hear her speaking. I think about that story a lot when I think about this idea of hearing God um, and how so often it's easy for us to go through our lives and just assume that God isn't speaking or to assume that we can't hear him. Well, today I had the privilege of sitting down with Doug Paul, who is the pastor of Vision and Mobilization for Easton Fellowship. And we just talked about what, what does it mean to, to listen for the voice of God? How can we get better at hearing his voice? So in this episode, we'll hear a little bit from him and we'll also hear some of the stories uh, from folks like you who are hearing and seeing God at work. This is episode two of the Where Did You See God podcast. Alright, so today we're joined by Doug Paul, who is a pastor at East End Fellowship. Uh, before we get going, one thing I like to do is just pray. Can I pray, Doug? You can pray, yeah. Father <laughs> right. God, I just want to thank you that you were God and you were good, and just this opportunity to just talk more about what it looks like to listen for you and how we can get better at hearing your voice. So I pray that you would just guide our words, uh, that you would be honored and glorified. In pray in holy name, amen. So... First of all, Doug, why, uh, why am I sitting with you? Why, uh, why, why do you feel like you have some thoughts around what it means to hear and obey God? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a topic that's pretty, I think, near and dear to my heart. And definitely one that I've spent right at like 15 years, I think, in ministry. Something somewhere in that general vicinity. And this is one of those topics that when I first got into ministry and then like kind of since then have, has been one that's been like sort of at the forefront of both how I think about what it is to be a disciple of Jesus, but also one of the most important things that we can teach and train people. Um, and that, yeah, I just think there's, if we're not really, if, if, we haven't learned to hear God's voice and we haven't learned to like respond to that, to be able to see what it is that he's doing around us. Um, I don't, there's not much else to do as it relates to Christianity. It just becomes almost immediately it becomes a checklist. 
and that's that's actually not good news. That's really bad news. Yeah. And so, if we're gonna have a, if there's gonna be good news that's centered on grace, then it needs to be something that is in response to like what God is doing like right here and right now. And I think that starts with just learning to hear God's voice. So somebody could hear you say that, learning to hear God's voice, and their thoughts could immediately be, is that even possible? Or why would I have the audacity to believe that I could say what God's saying? Or why would God want to talk to me? So like, I feel like that's one of the, the starting points is even getting somebody to be game for this idea of learning to hear God's voice. So when I know you've talked to a lot of people who have said <laughs> many of those things and more, yeah. what are some of the first thoughts that you have for them? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, these are, they're really good questions, they're really important questions. Um, and I think what we're talking about is how we think about God. And I think it, it, it starts with like kind of almost if we're going to have a conversation around that, it probably starts with identifying like really concretely who you think God is and what he's up to right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people have a, have a theology that, that talks about like God is moving, God is up to something, he's present, he's near, but functionally they don't believe that. And I think there's something important to actually naming that and coming to grips with, we, 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 we say one thing on paper, but we actually, either through experience or through our functional theology, what we actually live out, because what, how we live says what we believe, um, gives us a picture of who it is that we think God is. And so I think the, th- that first conversation is just around like that picture of who God is. Um, and I think it, it begins with like, do you actually believe that, that God is for you? Um, that he isn't, you know, the great figure in the sky that is looking to like blast you with lightning as soon as uh, you do something. Or that he is like some, somehow like this grandfather that has wound the clock of time and then has stepped back and what's going to happen is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, one is involved, but is like not for you. And then one is not involved and doesn't seem to really care about you. And I think the, the picture that we're given and the picture that, at least in, in the scriptures and my experience of the Lord has just been that of a father who, um, who, who is looking to spread the good news of his family to as many, to as many of his adopted kids as he can. And so, um, like one of the, one of the catchphrases we'll use a fair amount when talking about like teaching people to hear God's voice is that it's the birthright of every Christian to hear the voice of their dad. And so I think we have to, we don't have to start with the Bible when we talk about this, because a lot of people first encounter God and experience God, hear his voice separate from the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Bible is the, the most foundational place for us to start though. Um, and for Christians, if you are a Christian, that's the, in, in my, in my view, that's, that's the first place that we go to mm-hmm. and what it is that the Bible shows over and over again, that God is a father and he's speaking. And so what, what it is that we see in Jesus, who is the full embodiment of God is him end his most famous sermon by saying like, look, the only difference between um, the, the guy who built his house on the sand and the guy who built his house on the rock 
Because one was able to hear God's voice and did something with it, and the other heard God's voice and didn't. Which can be really frustrating if we're in a place where we're like, well, I don't even hear God's voice, so I don't even have the option of disobedience mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm not even hearing anything to begin with. So I know I'm like on a bit of a rabbit trail here. A, a cul-de-sac of exploration <laughs> of this topic. Um, yeah, but I, I think there's... One of the one of the biggest questions is is do you want to hear God's voice? Mm-hmm. Like, do you actually want to? Like, if you could, would you want to? And I think that's that's a good starting place. And if not, then not much more to talk about. Yeah. So you made a comment earlier um, that the Bible isn't the only place to hear God's voice, and I think that's the other thing that I hear people yeah. saying is then what does that even mean? I mean, are you talking about an audible voice? Will I be sitting here and hear the low, booming voice of God coming down from heaven? So, like, <laughs> what does that even mean to hear yeah. the voice of God? It's a, it's a great question. Um, I think the easiest, maybe not the easiest, but, like, a way of thinking through this is there, there well, let me back up. There are times where it is that audible. Um, and it is... It is a little bit like um, if you think about one of those old radio dials where like you've got that little knob that you're turning and you're trying to find a frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, one, of the, one of the ways to think about learning to hear God's voice is you're turning that knob and the, whether you are finding the right frequency or not, there is something happening mm-hmm. like in radio land mm-hmm. where there are, there are sound waves that are going out and that, that, those sound waves, whether it's music or NPR or whatever it is, like it's happening. Um, the question is, are you dialed into it? And I think that's what, what you learn to do in hearing God's voice, even the very audible voice of God is, is learning to dial. Like I'm, it's funny. I'm like, I'm using my fingers to talk <laughs> through like dialing in a frequency, which no one can obviously see. Um, you can, you can dial into uh, this, this, this voice, this movement, um, this move of the Holy Spirit that's happening like right here. And God is doing that thing, whether you dial in or not. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's a piece of it is understanding. Most of us just haven't learned how to dial into that frequency. But the other thing is just to like each, each person is like wholly unique and is wholly different. And one of the one of the challenges for us is that we're looking for God to be speaking to all of humanity and all people the exact same way all of the time. Mm-hmm. And yet, like the way that like, I sense that God is moving, the way that I sense that he is speaking, the way that I sense that he's communicating to me is often quite particular to me. And the way that that happens with me might actually be quite different. It is quite different than, than oftentimes how he is, he is communicating with my wife um, or he might be communicating with you. And I mean, it's kind of cheesy, but there's that book, The Five Love Languages, and it talks about like there are these five different ways that people can receive or give love. And uh, hearing God's voice is a little bit like that, except that I think there's a lot more. Um, and what, what, going back to like the dialing in of the frequencies, what you, what you learn is like, what's the frequency that God most often uses when he is like directly speaking with me? And I think the thing that we have to acknowledge is that, like, I think there is a universal that the Word of God is the common frequency. 
Um, it is in many ways, it's like the phrase book of heaven. It is, it is teaching you the language of God and how it is that he works, how it is that he speaks. Um, and we start with that as like the grounder for any way in which God might be, be talking. The funny thing is for, for folks who struggle with the idea of God speaking outside of scriptures um, is that the Bible is a story of a group of people who over and over and over again encounter the real and living God, but not through scripture. Yeah. <laughs> they sometimes encounter God through scripture. Like there's certainly stories about that. But the Bible is a story about people encountering God, not in the Bible, but in real life. Mm -hmm. And I think if if our job is to say, like, hey, I take the Bible seriously, I think that it is that, like, there's an authority behind it, that it actually means what it says. Then we should do that. Like, we should actually believe that, like, same way that people encounter God is the way that he can be encountered now. And so David encounters God through the scriptures um, but he also encounters God like in the cave of Adullam when like when he doesn't have any scriptures um, and there are no psalms because David is the one who writes half the psalms <laughs> yeah. um, but the same is true of Paul like Paul in Acts chapter 16 God communicates through him to him through a dream um, and this is like he's slowly writing what we now see is like the New Testament um, and he has, and clearly, like, he is completely immersed in the Old Testament scriptures. But one of the ways that, like, God communicates to him about where it is that he's going to go when he's at a crossroads in a second missionary journey is through a dream that isn't in the Bible. It's just that the Bible talks about he had a dream. And so, like, does God communicate still through dreams? Yes. How do we know that? Because the Bible shows that God communicates through dreams. Um, yeah, I can, I can go on and on. Sorry. I can... <laughs> No, that's good. Well, and I really like the um, that that analogy of the radio dial. So my son Timothy uh, collects really random things, and so his current favorite thing to collect is old radios. He has three of them that he just carries around the house. Uh, and one time he had me plug it in, and it came on. It was immediately static. Yeah. And he just assumed that the radio was broken, that it didn't work. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like you got to turn this yeah. dial over here. And it was a small dial, it was very tedious, but I've done it enough to know that if I do it just fine-tuned and I can come across the station, I know what to hear for too. When I hear, start to hear the crackling shift to some tones, I'm getting close to a station. And so I was able to show him that. Um, and so now he knows a little more about how a radio works. And so let's say someone gets to this place where, all right, they're, they're buying into this idea that God can speak. They're buying into this idea that God wants to speak to them. Um, where, where do they go from there? How is it that you can learn to tune the dial? Yeah, I think, so this is, this is what I've spent so much time working on is like the practical piece of that. Like if I can get someone to that place where you just, where, where you just kind of like ask that question, heck, I don't even need you. Like, give me a hypothetical, like just be willing to engage with some kind of process of learning, even if you're not wholly sure that, Mm -hmm. You could think it's a bunch of hooey, mm -hmm. but at least you're willing to like try something. Um, I think what we do then, like this is this is what I've spent so much time on, is like developing like the practical piece of like how do you do this, and I think where we we really start is trying to help people identify the places in their life where 
God is intersecting with their life. And so in the, like in the, the phrases that we use, we would call this a Kairos moment, which is just, it's a, it's a different understanding of time. It's like, I had a good time at a wedding or I had a good time talking to Paul. We're talking about time as an event and not just time as it's 2.12 in the afternoon, like chronological time. So it's, it's, there's two words for time are like the Greek words, chronos, chronological time, and kairos, which is like event-driven time, where we talk about something has happened. And what we see over and over again in the way that Jesus thinks about this is that there is an intersection of our world and the kingdom that Jesus is now the king of. And there are times where those two worlds seem to intersect. And so when, when Jesus is talking about this idea in John 5, he's like, look, I only do what I see the Father doing. And so he's looking for this intersection of like an inbreaking of what it is that's happening um, in God's world and our world as if something is different. Sometimes we use phrases like, and time slowed down or time stood still or... Uh, we'll say things like, like I had a God moment, like this sense, like it's a sense of otherness. Like it's, this could have just been a normal event, um, but there was something different. There's something other. There's something I, I don't, just the sense that you have that um, there's more to the story than like just meets the eye. And I think this is, this is central to like the Christian worldview that most of us just aren't used to is that there's always more than meets the eye. There's always more going on. There is always like these two worlds that are rubbing up against each other. And sometimes those worlds intersect. And so part of it is just like, it's, it is just like, could I, am I open to the fact that that's happening? Mm-hmm. And so normally like when we're just talking through this with people for the first time, it's, it's actually like helping them look back on their life and think through can you name some moments where you're like, that might have been an intersecting moment of God's world and my world. You don't even, we don't, again, we don't, you don't have to say with hundred percent certainty it was but like, can we get the radar up? I think that's what, that's the starting point is can we, can we acknowledge that if, if Christianity is real and you don't even have to believe that it is, but if it were, that one of the things that it suggests is that God is at work in our world right now. And so if that were true, like raising your radar to see his work would be a big deal. Let's, so let's look back in your past and let's see where we can, let's just start there. Let's see if we can identify two, three times where we're like, we're sure, as sure as we can be that, that God is at work. So I think that's the, that's the starting point. Um, and then it's, it's then helping people engage more and more and more um, in the everyday with what what could be happening that feels different or other. Because I think sometimes we are expecting this boom from heaven. We're expecting like the heavens to part, a dove to come down to like sit on our head. Um, when in fact it's it's developing eyes to see what's happening all around. Like it is happening all around you, and sometimes it's gigantic. And sometimes it's ever so slight. And both of those are for us to see. I know you have many examples of those gigantic moments. Do you have a favorite small, subtle moment that you're like, oh, okay, that was God? Yeah. Um, hmm. I mean, I had one yesterday. 
yesterday was like not a winning day for Team Paul. Uh, we had our uh, our youngest son was a just he was having a really 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 hard time more so than normal. He's five in uh, our worship service, and he just had he just ref- he was just refusing to obey. Um, and like midway through Chris Lee's sermon, he just flips out. I mean, flips out. Mm-hmm. And so like I take him home. I mean, he is he 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 is screaming. He's yelling. He is crying. Like it is. And I don't I don't know if he he was sick or or whatever it was, but it was it was like game over. Like he was not calming down at all. Um, it was one of those times where it just felt more important that Elizabeth be fully present in the service. Mm-hmm. So I take him home. Um, we talk. And um, he, like, eventually calms down. And the way that our couch sits, it's kind of low to the ground. And I had my, uh, we've got, like, this kind of, like, coffee table in front of our couch. And I got my feet out. Um, and we, we had talked and talked about his punishment and this, that, or the other. And then he just, like, lays down on my chest. And he just, like, starts to, like, breathe in the same way that I'm breathing. Um, and I just kind of, like, it was, like, a really special moment because, like, that's not how he usually, he's not terribly affectionate towards me. I'm definitely, like, his second favorite parent, and it's not even close. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and he's just doing that, and then he just looks up, and he's like, Daddy, I love you. And, like, it was a really... I mean, it was like a really sweet moment. And then he like kind of like puts his head back down, and then his his breathing is like mimicking my breathing, and just this really quiet sense from the Lord in that moment. Like this is this is how I want you to be. Um, like this this is what you're like. Like you are the screaming toddler. Um, but eventually, like the, it's it's who do you go to um, when like you're flipping out and flailing, and it feels like life is whatever life is and like I don't always respond well to that and I too can be like the five-year-old mm-hmm. uh, but the question is like who do you go to and I think that was the like that wasn't a booming voice that was just a really quiet moment um, just a sense that the Lord was speaking in that moment a good word to me mm-hmm. and it's just one that I've been kind of thinking about since then that's good yeah. I think it's really important even just for us to hear more and more of those kind of stories of just really simple ways that God shows up. Because I think you're right, like oftentimes we are looking for that boom, that clear, like undeniable, oh, that was God and he told me everything that I needed to know. Yeah. Um, but it's just not how God functions and even in scripture, um, there are times where he does that and there's other times where it's those simple, you know, the whisper. Yeah. Um, and so obviously like the, the process of learning to hear God's voice uh, is not one that could be easily uh, condensed into a short podcast. So this is just an intro. I mean, I've yeah. known you long enough and been through sessions with you where, uh, you know, sometimes it's a few hours, sometimes it's over the course of several weeks. Yep. Um, you know, and so the purpose of this time isn't to give everybody everything. But, um, you know, in starting this uh, podcast, I knew I knew it would be a slow start of getting responses from people because that topic, that idea of, of hearing God, um, is just so hard for us to grasp. And so 
you know, the hope is that this is kind of the entry point. So um, my last question for you is what is a good, easy, practical first step for that person who, like you said, is willing to engage it, who may not even know if this is actually a real thing, but is willing to say, hey, yeah. I'll try this out. What's a good, like, easy in? Yeah, I mean, we de- I mean, we just, we developed this thing called a Kairos tracker, which is, we have a little card that we give people, but you don't have to have a card to do it. Um, and it's, it's kind of going back to what we were just talking about, like raising your radar. Like, that's one of the most important things that you can do is is to say, like, if God is working, it's my responsibility to be on the lookout. And so, like, I want to have, like, a beep, 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 beep. Like, I want to know that, like, oh, thing, something's happening right now. Um, and so I would just encourage people to write down, like, one to three Kairos moments a day. And if three seems like a lot, then just do one. But, like, it's you, you'll, you will usually find more than you're expecting. And so I would... I would, I would encourage people to like push themselves for that. And I think one of the, one of the challenges for this, for people who are just starting out and like my coaching to anyone listening would be don't, you don't just write down something that could be one. And what's helpful is to write down as many possibilities um, during the day as you go and then reflect on them that night. So don't even try to be like, was that, was it not? Was it, um, you can, you can like process that and weigh that later on in the day as you're reflecting on the day i think the most important thing is like to just be on the lookout and big and small they they're coming at you and for folks who are just looking or who are just starting to look it's really a matter of like getting that radar up and writing down and forcing yourself to be aware it's like it feels awkward Mm -hmm. at first i always talk about how it's a little bit i mean like i'm like guy so of course i use like a sports analogy for this um but it's a little bit like throwing a football like if you if you ever listen to like professional quarterbacks college quarterbacks talk about throwing a football the way they talk about it is that like the way you throw it is really abnormal your arm doesn't isn't like that's not how your arm and your rotator cuff throws but the reason they have you throw it in that particular way which is like your arm was straight up when you release it is you get your accuracy is a lot better Getting the most natural way is to throw sidearmed, um, and so like if you were to listen to like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or whoever talk about throwing a football for a very long time, it it just feels weird because you're like this doesn't feel natural, this isn't what I'm used to, and I think the same is true with like learning to like identify those Kairos moments. Um, it feels unnatural because we have a we have we have become used to a world where it feels different for God to be intersecting. It's happening all the time, mm-hmm. but we're not used to it. And so it feels awkward a little at the beginning. Um, you've got you've to put in, like Malcolm Gladwell talked about your 10,000 hours before something moves from like unnatural to natural, mm-hmm. where you move from like starting out as an amateur to like a pr- completely proficient in this thing where it's like breathing. You're not thinking about breathing. I just breathe. And I think that's, that's the thing that we're doing. So it's not like we're approaching hearing God's voice like a checklist. Mm-hmm. It's like we're disciplining ourselves a couple times a day to write down, oh, that could that could be something. So that, that the process of identifying what God is doing could become more natural for us. I remember, um, gosh, it was two years ago now, uh, 
I was in a little mini short-term missional community uh, at your house. Indeed. And one of the things that you challenged us into was, okay, I want y'all over the next two weeks to write down two Kairos moments, two kingdom moments a day. And I remember thinking, as many people do, I don't know I'm going to be able to do that. Like, I haven't, I don't know that I could think of any I've seen in the last week, so how am I going to do two a day? But the very act of deciding that I was going to do yeah. that, of looking to do that, put me in a place where I was actually looking for yeah. one. Um, but two, I, I realized that there were things happening. Um, and I was especially encouraged to by the idea of of just like you said, anything that could be possible. I felt a little happier when this thing happened, or I felt oddly upset when this yeah. thing happened. Like these things were, there's just, something's a little different. I remember I began to write those down, and when I went back and looked at those, I began to see ways that I felt like God was speaking. Um, and so yeah, I just wanna affirm that idea that just jumping in and doing it you find that you're actually able to do more than you assume yeah. you're able to do, or you're able to see more than you assume you're able to see. Well, any final thoughts for the person that wants to hear God? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think just two recommendations. I mean, reading the Bible is always a great place to start. Mm -hmm. I think one of the challenges that is how, like, when we approach the Bible, we're approaching the Bible, like, as a rule book. Like, I read the Bible, so it tells me what to do or what not to do. And it certainly has that stuff in it, but it is a story about God's engaging, like his beloved creation mm -hmm. and the ways in which they muck it up and the ways in which God never gives up. And it's always more, it's, it's, I'm more interested in like, as you're reading the text, like what's stirring inside of you. Um, because what the Bible, by reading the Bible over and over and over again, and by like, meditating on it and really digging into it you're learning the language of god and i think that's the thing um that we miss sometimes about about the bible is that like it's it's the the logos word like the written like embodiment of who god is um meeting what's called the rhema word like the the, the fresh spoken word it's those two things that are that are intersecting together um and then just the second thing for people who are interested in reading stuff um, there's a book called Hearing God by a man named Henry Blackaby. And all he does is he uses, he uses the Bible. He just walks through the Bible and is like, here are all the different ways that God speaks. And lo and behold, it's like dozens and dozens of ways. And for people who are wanting to just think through what it is that the Bible says about this, like it's a great place to start. Um, really readable, not too long. It can be a little dry at places, but I think, uh, for folks who want to take scripture seriously and think, believe that it has authority like I do, I think we need to have confidence that, um, that this is what the Bible talks about. And so I think that's a, another great place to start. So the whole point of this podcast is not for you to hear my lovely voice, but to hear the voices of folks like you who are trying to listen for and look for God and who are actually having the opportunities to hear and see him. 
So I'm really excited that today we actually have our first stories. And our first story actually comes from pretty far. It comes from Kristen, who is currently serving in South Africa. And Kristen shares this. So at the end of August, I moved to another country to volunteer at a school for three months. A couple of weeks ago, I was subbing in a class that I don't get to spend a lot of time with. They always love to ask questions about you and really personal questions. While I was trying to teach, one boy asked about my mom and if she was in America. I said no, and that we could talk about it more when I was finished teaching, but they kept trying to figure out what I meant. Another boy asked if she was in heaven, and I said yes. The first boy said, I'm sorry. I said, it's fine, and brushed it off. However, on my way home from school that evening, I realized it was a big deal. I don't really bring up my mom because it isn't something I think about a lot. I lost my mom before I was one years old, so it is easy for me to brush it aside. But for this student to apologize made me realize that my story is important. This part of my life is important, and I should be open to talking about it and not just brush it aside. I could have had meaningful conversations with the students, but instead I brushed it aside. I had been praying for meaningful conversations and missed a great opportunity. Don't be afraid to share with others your story. Don't brush aside these things that make you who you are. Chris, I really appreciate you sharing um, your openness and your vulnerability. And I just love that this was just such a simple thing that you could have missed, but that God had positioned you to be able to recognize that this kid's simple apology um, was God's way of saying he knows who you are and he wants others to know who you are. So. Grateful for you, Kristen. Grateful for the work that you're doing in South Africa and looking forward to seeing you again in person. We also received a message from Kaylin, who is a graduate student at Emory University. And she says, I do a lot. I'm currently working two part-time jobs, managing a study, finishing my master's full-time, and commuting two hours a day. Recently, I was really not feeling seen or appreciated. I do so much and just needed someone to say that they saw me and that they empathized with me. I kept praying for God to show up in my day in tangible ways, and I wasn't expecting much from that prayer, honestly. So, at work one day, I get a call from my mom, and out of nowhere, she blasts me with affirmation and love and everything I had been needing to hear for a while. She ended it with, don't ever feel like we don't see you or that we don't appreciate you. God bopped me on the head like a Holy Spirit V8 commercial. It was so, so, so great. Kaylin, I really appreciate you sharing, um, and especially just acknowledging sometimes we pray and we don't really expect much from those prayers. And sometimes God just shows up in ways that we don't expect and in, in the exact ways that we need. So. Kaylin, I really appreciate all your hard work. I'm really proud of the work that you're doing um, and just really excited for how God's going to work in your life after all of this is done. The last message we received is from Bethany, who is currently serving uh, at an organization in Richmond. And Bethany says, last week, I was desperately asking God if he was enough, that if everything was taken from me, my friends, family, comfort, shelter, etc., would he be enough? Because I felt like he wasn't, and that it's something Christians say to make themselves feel better, but it didn't feel like the truth. 
I didn't know how to make head knowledge into heart knowledge. But then I opened my daily devotional for that day and prayed. I kept reading over and over again that he is enough. And I opened Malachi 1-2 and it says, I have loved you, says the Lord. And that answered the question I was asking. Am I enough? Do you love me? And he does. And he has shown me since then that he is enough. Enough to sustain me. Bethany, I really appreciate you sharing. And whew, I know the work Bethany's jumping into. Um, and it's a, it's a hard residency. Um, and it can be easy in a space like that to feel like God is, is God actually enough? Um, but he is. And I'm so grateful that he is showing you that um, in real ways. So as you can hear, these are unconnected stories. And yet all of them speak to the power of God to show himself, the power of God to demonstrate that he knows who you are and his love for you to want to communicate that. And all of these, God revealed each of these individuals' identity, that they are our children of God, that they are loved by God, and that he has given them that love so that they can go and love others. And so if you have a story, please, please, please call us, message us, find me if you know me, and I'll pull out a microphone, even if it's just a voice memo on my phone, and we'll record it. Um, because again, we believe that when God works in us, when he speaks to us, it's not just for us, but he also does it so that we can then go and encourage and comfort and inspire those around us. Well, thank you so much for listening to episode two of the Where Did You See God podcast. I'm so excited about some upcoming episodes and more excited for the stories that are to come that I don't even know about. Y'all, God is God. God is good. He is present. He is active. He is working and he is speaking. So as you go into your day, ask yourself, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash Where Did You See God, where you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?